1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hey everyone, Steve McVeigh here with the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm here with Michael Houle from Multiply Vineyard and Doug Rutledge from Crossroads Farm. Today, as we jump into this podcast, we are going to talk about saddle sores and specifically just the absolute sense that we have of fatigue. This we've, we've been in the saddle with COVID for several months now, and we are getting worn out. The Think about all that we're doing right now. We're, we're still having to produce online services. Some of the folks that we know are meeting outside. They're doing some form of outside worship service. Some have brought people inside. There's cleaning that has to be done of our facilities. There's protocol. There's changes, it seems like, every couple weeks in every state. Different mandates come down. You have people who are, we're ministering to people who are stressed. We're trying, as we talked about in our last podcast, we're trying to chase down people and haven't been coming to any of our online or in-person gatherings. I mean, there's so much going on. And just the grind of all this is wearing us out. And guys, as we talk today, can we just get this out of the way? We are not going to guilt anybody because they're quote unquote, not taking a Sabbath. They, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this today and you read the, in a, you know, introduction there, you read that we're going to talk about fatigue and saddle source and you're thinking, great, they're going to tell me that I have to take a Sabbath. Yeah, we know that. But, okay, we are just not, we're, we're going to just talk about the reality of being a rural pastor in the grind that is going on right now. Yeah, I think there's a real grind. And I, and I think there's a real moment of just, of just feeling like we're just trying to plug in through and trying to survive, Steve. And I think, I think that's the feeling I have pastoring the church and on top of being a national leader is you just sense that grind of everyday things. And it feels like there's always something urgent popping up. There's always something there that the urgent is taking over the important. It feels like it's like getting in front of the mission. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of pastors I talk to, including myself, feel like it's really hard to get what's really important and valuable in our mission. And we're just stuck with the urgent. And it feels like somehow we're not really driving our schedules right now. And yet, what, I don't know what to do about that. You know, Doug, what are your thoughts on how we drive that. I think uh, there are two things. By the way, good day. Eh? I'm Doug, and uh, this is Steve and Mike. Uh, I just want to say that there is a, a difference between grit, which is something that a, uh, that a minister in rural communities has to have, which is stop whining and complaining about stuff that's hard. That's why we got involved in ministry, right? And I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying... 
know, I mean, honestly, guys, hey, this is hard. <laughs> you, you got a bunch of hard stuff to do. And this is not a surprise to God. There's grit. And I think we have that. We encounter lots of people who have it. And then there's the grind and the grind is controllable. You need to up your grit level and reduce your grind level. There's an interesting story. So uh, I was a youth pastor at a big church. My pastor, uh, well-known, his name's uh, Emerson Egrich, and all you uh, love and respect fans, good reason to be a fan of the book. Um, But we were sitting, my wife and I were sitting in Emerson's office, and he said something that A, made me really mad, and B, you know, made me rethink my ministry. I, we were talking about something. He wanted to find out how I was doing. And I just complained that, that we were working so hard and we were in a transitional ministry. We'd gone from zero to, you know, a hundred and whatever students every week. It was hard. And we were moving equipment into the next location, then the next location, then the next location, because we kept out, outgrowing them. Those are great problems, but it's hard work. It's a grind. And so I complained about it. And, you know, I just said, hey, I'm, I'm burning out. We don't have a place where we belong. And his statement to me, and I'll never forget, you've got to be pretty coarse with me to mark me. But he said, you know, and that's, that's your fault. He said, burnout is your fault. You have a job obligation to take care of yourself. Now, that's that guilt part. You know, I don't want to guilt anybody into thinking, oh, great. But I think there was this reality that I I am in charge of my own schedule. And one of the things that I've learned is that the tyranny of the urgent doesn't have the right to dominate what God wants me to do. And the guy who yells at me because I'm teaching, uh, you know, wrong or because we have too much drums or because they think a vaccination is, you know, the mark of the beast or whatever. Those guys are going to be there tomorrow yelling at me again. So I'll share one more story and then I'll shut up because this, <laughs> this came to mind. So you guys don't know this, but my dad was an online uh, radio counselor. And it was a popular radio, yeah, I know, a popular radio program in, in the Detroit area. And, no wonder um, you're so emotionally balanced, Doug. Oh, you yeah. No, for a dad. So, now yeah, we understand. Yeah, he never had time for me. And uh, so, <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but the, the scenario was we had phone books. And people could look up his name in a phone book. So every nut job in Detroit was looking my dad's home phone number. And you, I, we probably took five or 10 of these calls before we decided we had to unlist the number, right? Uh, one time, I remember my dad took a call from a guy, and the guy was telling him how his marriage was in trouble. Uh, he'd lost his job. He had, you know, just litany of serious problems. And, you know, he was probably going to end it. And I'm just listening on the other end of this phone conversation. My dad said something. He said, let me tell you something. I'll just call the guy, John. He said, let me tell you something, John. He said, thanks for calling. Uh, Let's make an appointment next week. And I went, whoa, whoa, next week. We got to make an appointment next week. This guy's on the verge of suicide. His marriage is coming apart. He obviously has some dependency issues. You know, he can't, he's, uh, we're putting it off till next week. And he said, so if you can do that, John, I know that you're serious about the problem. And he said, if not, we know what the problem is, right? And so he threw it back in the guy's court and he said, if this is still an issue, you know, come and see me. I'm glad you called. But this didn't happen tonight, and no counselor can fix it tonight. Mm -hmm. And I went, 
Oh, so this grind that we're in, COVID, didn't happen overnight. And we're not fixing it overnight. Black Lives Matter, I don't know, correct my history here, but I think that's more than a two-year issue. We're not fixing it tonight. The political divide between Democrats and Republicans and Whigs and, you know, the Tory party and wherever we want to go with this, Tory party for Canadians. uh, So uh, I'm like, it didn't happen this week. Yeah. Let's talk about it next week. Yeah. And along with that, though, I think this is like if you're going to be a rural pastor, here's here's the deal. People do have more access to your life. Rural, rural leadership is 100% relational. People can have access. I mean, I, people know my number, not because it's listed. Okay. I mean, just everybody knows your number. There's very few places I can hide. And, and to tell you the truth, I've had a number of rural pastors tell me this, that the only time they really get away is if they leave their state. Okay. I mean, like, cause like if they go to town, like to get away, they're going to run into someone who knows them, you know? So there are some dynamics that make it tough for us as rural pastors to grab hold of our schedule and to, to slip in times for rest and, and slip in times to, to really recreate all those, all those fancy things that we know we're supposed to do. But I think what you said, Doug, is so important. Those issues, those demands, they're going to be there. We're never going to meet all of those demands. We say no at some point. I mean, at some point, we are just so exhausted, we say no. And so maybe one of the keys, as we think about the urgent and the grind, one of the keys is to just, in our, in our hearts, settle the fact that we are going to disappoint a few people. There, there will be times that we have to say no to people. But there will be less disappointment if I stay sharp. If, if, I, if I do those things that help me be balanced. I mean, I am dealing, you know, I don't, I, I assume all of us are dealing with people who are emotionally depressed. They're tough. I mean, things, things are tough and I need to be sharp. So I'm going to have to disappoint some people to step away from what they feel is urgent in order to truly put myself in a position where I can truly serve others well. And, and it's, uh, that's a super great point, Steve. And it's going to be okay that there might be some consequences to that. And, and I think pastor, you got to give yourself permission in a rural community to say, you know what, someone might not like me in the moment or maybe longer term, but that isn't something you can personally take on. And I think for a lot of pastors, because you care, you have the compassion, the heart of Jesus you have empathy, and sometimes it can go too far, I think, what Steve is saying. And I think part of the issue that I see so often is I pass from my thing, and I really realized that one day I had someone call me. I don't know if you've gotten this yet, Pastor. We live in uh, northern, northern Wisconsin where uh, drunk calls in the middle of the night on your cell phone <laughs> is actually a thing. Um, and we, I've received a few of those the years, and, and they don't remember in the morning, to be honest. And I think so often we, we think the permanency of that person's feelings towards that moment when you say stop, is not really that real. I think it's I think it's kind of a lie we bought in as pastors that if we don't fix it now, that person's life is going to collapse. They may leave the church. They, I have somehow failed. All those things are just myths and lies we fall into. And it's I'm I've been guilty. I was a young pastor. I fell into all those things, and it leads to exhaustion. And like you said, like Steve said, you're not as sharp. Like that's just the reality of it. You're not on top of it. 
And so I was just talking to a, a, a pastor recently who was going through stress of the, the schedule and they're on sabbatical. And I said to them, but who can set the boundaries? Is it the church or are you going to set the boundaries with your church? And, and most of the time, I don't know about you, but if I got free ice cream for life, I'm not sure I could ever set a boundary personally if they kept giving me ice cream. <laughs> the person that's <laughs> I would just eat it every day for every meal. I probably wouldn't live that long, but that'd be a great run for me. But the truth of the matter is, like, you're kind of the ice cream giver when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And eventually you have to say enough, enough. And honestly, I think in the long term, people will appreciate it down the line. In the longer term, you'll see um, health for yourself and your church community. But just remember that you are the one in control of that ice cream. Yeah. Uh, two, two quick thoughts on that. That's really great. It is true. Uh, but my first thought is that when I'm reading Matthew 11, and so I'll read it to you guys, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And when I read that in, in most days of ministry, I'm like, why are you lying to me, Jesus? And I, I really do. I feel like, wait, that's not, is this true? Well, the key is in the first part. It says, come to me. And I have to remember, I'm not Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we have savior complexes. It's why we got into ministry. We're going to make a difference. And so a lot of times I have to remind myself, look, I don't bring the life to this conversation. Jesus does. I have to continually point people back to Jesus. I also wonder why counselors cut it off after 50 minutes. And it's because they would die if they listened to everybody's problem till it was resolved. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you'd have one person, it'd be the same person for 40 hours a week and nobody could make it. I, uh, Boy, this makes me sound really callous, but I, I, I think... There is a principle that we're trying to, to lay in during this time of COVID, and it's what we're teaching on all this year. It's timely. We're teaching on the one another's. There are 59 one another's in the New Testament, 59 things that we are to either do for, with, or because of someone else. And I contend that the pastor who is overworked doesn't have enough help, and we've got to be really honest in saying, I can't do this. Somebody's got to come alongside and help me. And we've got to be good enough to tell them what we need. So, you know, those one and others are just great. This is like a Pandora's box, really. I mean, when you get into the dynamics of us being tired, okay, and and having saddle sores, there's there's so many directions we could go with this. I just want to like be the, the bad guy and bring up another thing that just wears us out, okay? Because So far, I think like if we did a podcast just on, okay, you have to take control of your schedule. You need to learn when to say no, all of those types of things. I think we could add to that. We need to know what really restores us. What do we need to be doing during that time off? All that kind of stuff. But, you know, since we're just being really honest, we're circuit riders, right? We got to tell the truth, right? Part of what drains me as a leader is all this political stuff that's going on right now. And whether it's People that I serve arguing over mask or Democrat Republican stuff. There's there's times that like okay the very same thing that makes me want to help solve that person's problem who's calling me at two in the morning drunk 
And Mike, I'm just really glad you weren't the one making the call. Okay, that's let's start with that. Okay. So in this season, I'm so glad Mike is not calling up his his folks, his his leadership board at two in the morning drunk. Thank you, Mike, for that. No problem. I mean, you you are with the vineyard, so that automatically this so, this on. portion of the podcast brought to you by Bush and Anheuser beer. That's right. <laughs> but I also have within me this desire to see my flock get along. I mean, like it's when I was a kid and we would fight, my mom would say, for Mother's Day, why don't you kids just all get along? And I used to be like, come on, mom, you know, let me, let me like make you a base in shop class or something. I don't want to get along. And then you become a parent and you want your kids to get along. And as pastors, I mean, I'm just going to shoot so straight here. I have people that I love and respect who believe that if you wear a mask, you are being a sheep. Now, just so you know, I think that's an awful weird insult for a Christian to make. Okay. Right, right. You are a sheep. Really? I know. That's what Jesus said. But I, all that aside, I also have people who believe if you don't wear a mask, that you're being uncaring and insensitive. Now, do I believe there's probably a good discussion there that someone needs to have about what is the best way for us to come together and and fight this virus and all that kind of stuff? Listen, I'm not even going to go there. Here's what I know. There's two people that I love fighting with each other, and I need to relax. I'm worn out, but I feel this compulsion to step in there and be that peacemaker somehow. What what do I do? How, How do I stop from having that kind of fatigue, the fatigue that comes, and and I talk too much, so I'll try to, just two parts to it. The fatigue that comes, one, with the disappointment that sometimes I feel when I see the way people express their political opinions. I mean, like calling someone a sheep or accusing someone of not caring about people because of a political opinion they have. And then my my second part of that is my desire to see people be, be you know, live peaceably with one another. I feel like my mom, guys, hey, for Pastor Appreciation Month in October, why don't you all just get along? How do I, how do I deal, how do I deal with that? <laughs> oh, Mike, you'll appreciate this story. It's a segue back and then I'll bring it back. Uh, but so uh, I was playing basketball in college and I played one season with my brother. I played off, you know, three and a half seasons, but I played one season with my brother and we're getting thrummed by a team, just crushed. And really the reason we're getting crushed is a a guy named Stackhouse that was playing on the other team. And at half, he had like something like, I don't know, 28 points. We're 10 minutes into the game. And this guy, you cover him to 30 feet. He's going out to 40 and he's going to hit it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so our call, our coach calls a timeout and we're thinking, thank goodness we've got a timeout here. So the rest is the, the rest, the timeout. It's important. We come to the bench. Our coach is livid. He looks at us and he says, what's going on with you guys? Would you please score? Will somebody box out? I need somebody to score. I need somebody to box out. He did that for a minute. And then we're walking back out onto the court. My brother turns to me and he says, oh, that's it. Oh, shoot. I've been doing all the wrong stuff. And, and I realized, you know, sometimes our cheap advice is just do the right stuff. Politically, we want people to think like we do. 
And if they would just think like we do, then the world would be a happy place. I'm entitled to you having my opinion. And, you know, the bottom line is I got to stop taking my own opinion so seriously. You know, that is so true. I just told someone the other day, I said, at your deathbed, no one's going to pull up your Instagram account, Facebook account, Snapchat, Twitter account. No one's going to pull it up and say, let's review this for your life. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to care. They're not. They're going to probably care about who you love, how you love, and how you're being loved through Jesus. And the funny part about that is, too, is I have never met anybody, maybe you guys have, where I've read a post on any of the social media and said, you know what? I changed my mind now. I totally changed into, I totally 100% agree with you. I've been completely wrong my whole life. I changed my mind. That just doesn't happen. And so I think the reality for us, we need to understand the same is going to be for our congregation. People's minds aren't going to be flipped in this political season. It's how we deal with that pressurized feeling of you need to be, and I'm going to pick on both sides. You need to speak up against Trump because these things are just wrong. You need to be a complete Trump supporter or you don't care about Jesus. Like I have literally put those statements in the same hour from different people. And, yeah. and, and I think like you need to like we need to stop and say to ourselves, how was that productive as a pastor? And then call, call the third way. I think we've talked about the third way a thousand times. I do in the early. Jesus was always the third way. He was always the way that was different than the rest. And we have to remind ourselves of that pressure. I, I think it's so easy we give the simple answers. I want to throw this in because this is profound wisdom, which by the way, anytime I throw in profound wisdom, you'll notice it comes from somebody else. I had a friend who used to say this, and I think it was a quote from Aquinas, paraphrased quote. He said this, he said, my job's not to change everybody else. And I love this part of the quote. He said, I can barely change the things I can't stand about myself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, well, there it is, man. Yeah, guys, I think we ought to, I, I think we ought to just take a step back for just a second and say, we need to do a podcast. We, we need to dedicate <laughs> an entire podcast to how we handle this political stuff. For our purposes today, I think what we would say is that part of our rest, part of dealing with this saddle sore is going to have to be disengaging from social media so much, disengaging from the discussion, allowing ourselves to not feel this, just like we're going to have to say no to some people who are in crisis, who want us this very minute. We're also going to have to say no to being a peacemaker sometimes. We're going to have to say no. I mean, and and and, and we're just going to have to bear it. I, I want to tell you, like for me, just it's like an emotional gut punch. I don't even, I am not even going to repeat the meme that I saw this morning, it was just horrible. It, and it, it wasn't the political opinion. Okay, the political opinion is fine. I love people that are on the right and the left and, and all that kind of stuff. The way that they did it, like I did see this meme the other day. It had a picture of a political leader. I'm not even going to say which one, which side. And it said, the meme said, it isn't what I learned about, and then it was that political leader's name, that disappointed me. It's what I learned about my friends and family that disappointed me. You know, the way that sometimes people express themselves, that's just like a gut punch to me. I I need to disengage from that so that I can 
be sharp myself so that I can rest. And guys, I really do think we've got to do maybe our next podcast. I don't, I don't, one of these podcasts in the next couple of weeks, we just got to talk about what does a rural pastor do with all this political stuff? But to our point today, we've got to say no to the urgent. And we, we, we may need to say no to this compulsion to be a peacemaker and to, to help people who are struggling um, with the way they express themselves politically. The and art just, form is knowing the difference, right? That's yeah. the art form of being the pastor. It's knowing the difference. Yeah. And, and giving yourself permission to understand that sometimes being a peacemaker is not responding. Sometimes being a peacemaker is stepping back. I mean, I think sometimes there's a truth to that. As if you're struggling with that idea of like somehow I'm letting my people down, that I think the reality is that. Because here's the deal during this pandemic. I was just talking to a, a pastor friend of mine out in, in Colorado. And he said to me, he, he said, Michael, I'm thinking about hanging it up. And I said to him, dude, I'll, I'll call him Joe Smith for now because that's not his name. And I said, Joe, this is the wrong time to quit. I said, this is, don't promise me you won't quit during COVID. And I know a lot of us are feeling that way. I honestly had that feeling two weeks ago, like this is just goofy. You know, I might as well go sell Amway and call it a day because this, I'd probably make way more money. But in, in reality is don't quit during a pandemic that happens once every hundred years. Like that's like, that's a true fact. Like I wonder what the pastors in 1918 were feeling. I would love to know what their thought is time. Because I think pastor and all of us here that we're struggling with this urge to feel like this is kind of like, I'm like, I want to hang it up. I want to run. I want to sell everything, go to a cabin up in the mountain somewhere and maybe come back a decade from now. I mean, maybe that's how you feel. Make a promise to yourself that your calling right now matters, that God has called you to that place, those people, because he loves those people. He loves that place and he loves you. He loves you the most sometimes in this because you you said yes to your calling. I think we miss so often the, the father's pride, the father got pride in the fact that we said yes to our calling. That's like a big deal. A lot of people don't want to sit, sit into that calling. You guys have, you guys and gals have. And so don't, don't miss that. So don't quit right now. That's my best advice. I know the feeling. I'm not saying like it's not there. It's real. Literally two weeks ago, if I could have sold my house, packed up, <laughs> lived in the mountains, I would have did it. Like I was at strong consideration of it. So just hang in there. Make a promise to yourself that you'll wait till the COVID's done. And then see how you feel after like a year after COVID. <laughs> now, yeah. Michael, I just got to admit, I'm having a hard time not wanting to crack a joke about your friend, Joe Smith, and how he's from Colorado and not Utah. But anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Here's, here's, what I would, here's what I would say. And, and I think that you guys can identify with this, too, because all of us have wives that are, are doing different kinds of jobs. And, you know, our spouses are in different industries. Every profession is feeling, at least every profession that I'm aware of, every profession is feeling this. And, yeah. and, and so, Mike, you and I were talking a little bit ago. Uh, um, you, you've seen this even in your, your congregation. In my congregation, in my marriage, my wife's a nurse. And, and, and she is like, she's a nurse for mental health. So she doesn't work with COVID patients per se, but her job has become totally, I use the words insane with mental health, but it's become to the point where it's, out of control. And so many people are feeling that stress in their jobs, talking to teachers in our 
congregation? Do we go back in person? Do we go online completely? Do we in-person virtual? And by the way, so you know, teachers have no decision in that whatsoever. It's an mm. administrative kind of decision. People that are all about working in um, um, restaurants. I just have a, our worship leader considering quitting her, quitting her job because of the simple fact that it's been so stressful. She's getting yelled at at her job because she works at a job at, in a restaurant that requires masks. And, her, mm-hmm. and she's the hostess. So every time people walk in, she has to tell them they have to put a mask on because our state of Wisconsin implemented a, a state uh, mandate of masks. And, and you just feel the stress of people all around. And so that is the big thing. You know, I think that I, I hear something. I hear a cowbell. I think I hear the cows coming home, Steve. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, can I, can I do something? I, so this is going to change the temper of this entire conversation. I think, I think we do have to go to the next thing, uh, you know, for our next podcast. I think we continue conversation about that political balance, the, those tension moments. But I wanted to read something to you. So if you'll permit, is that okay? Yeah, As absolutely. the cows are coming in, uh, this was a letter. We did a day camp for our students, and one of the guys working with us, wrote me a letter on day five. He was actually going to be out of town. But he said, you know, each day he became progressively more overwrought with anxiety because he was, you know, just embracing all of the fear and all of the anxiety and all of the tension. And it was burning him out. And so on day five, he doesn't even show up to day camp. We knew he wasn't going to be there. And so he wrote a letter and handed it to somebody to read. So I want to read this because... A, I always think it's good to end with a laugh. God's in charge. In, t- in 20 years, we're going to remember the masks. Who knows if we're going to you know, talk about them? We're going to remember this election. Who knows if we're going to laugh about it or cry about it? Who knows? But I love this letter. And so bear with me because I think sometimes a laugh is worth it. So here's my letter from worker Luke. So he wrote this, Dear Dougie, I'm scared. All those other times I told you I was scared, I was, but now I'm the most scaredest. I'm writing this letter to tell you that because I'm so scared, I've run away. Do not come looking for me because there is no possible way you could ever locate me ever. I'm in a very remote and safe place away from anything that could ever hurt me or put me in danger. Seriously, so safe. On a completely unrelated note, could you please send my paycheck to me? My address is lot blank, 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 Piat Lake, XXXX, Michigan. It's the cabin. It's the cabin with a boat in front of it and a sign that says Lake End. You should be able to find it because it was yours before I moved in. Thank you. I would, I'd like to ask you to bring me my paycheck, but I can't because I would not want you to know my location in case of you trying to bring it to me and pulling me back into the real world where things are terrifying. Also, maybe if you came up and were sick, then you saw me and got me sick, then that would be bad. You understand, I'm sure. But yeah, please, if you could just send my paycheck and maybe a brand new sticker pad, mine is already running out. The place that I'm living is pretty cool, but don't worry, I'm safe. As soon as I moved here, I disconnected the electricity in case it were to randomly explode and then spark accidentally and light my safe house on fire and hurt me. I also made sure that there was no running water in case of me accidentally, accidentally forgetting to turn it off one time and then filling my entire safe house with water and then me randomly forgetting 
how to swim in that moment. And then my doors rusting shut so that I'm stuck to drown in my own safe house. You understand, I'm sure. I, I grow all of my own food in case of chemicals getting into my groceries. I never talk to strangers, let alone eat, leave my safe house. I unfortunately, I, have ne um, I had to throw away all of my puzzles in case of me one time eating popcorn while doing a puzzle and then eating a piece of puzzle instead of my popcorn and then choking on the thing that once made me feel so alive. You understand, I'm sure. And then he ends by saying this, I'll return when the world has nothing that could hurt me or cause me any pain in any way whatsoever. Because what kind of life is one without sadness and danger and sickness and electricity and friends and wandering water and people to surround yourself with that might be sick and risk and pain and protesting and puzzles well, you understand, I'm sure. Stay safe, Luke. And I read that just because there is, this is the reason we got into ministry, because life is dangerous and hard, and there's no way to stay safe from all of this stuff. Uh, there's no way to insulate ourselves from the needs of people we didn't want to when we got involved, but we do have to balance it. Uh, sorry, I, you know, I preached, but I thought it was kind of fun. And it just, it really does point out the reality is, is that this is something we're going through. You know, we're not going to be able to get out of the saddle and there's going to be saddle sores. But if we take some precautions and if we, if we address the tyranny of the urgent and disengage a little bit from, from that need to be a peacemaker and just embrace like every other single, every other single job out yeah. there, our calling is going to be tough right now. We can't avoid that channel. Let's just get over that. Let's quit trying to find a way to escape, but let's take care of ourselves. I think that's the message that we're trying to get out today. Yep. It's good stuff. Thanks, All right, Steve. guys. Well, hey, yeah. we will see you next time. We're going to say here what we're going to do when we're, we're done with this podcast, guys. We're going to debate how we handle political stuff so that we can get ready for our next podcast. How's that sound? That sounds great. Until then, hey, everyone, take care. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. We would love to hear from you, comment to us, send us some kind of feedback. Uh, we've been doing this now, what, this is our fifth episode, and uh, we, we really want to see how it's coming across. So hey, if you want to reach out to one of us, we'd really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you guys next time. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org Vineyard Small Town USA Vineyard Small Town USA equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash SmallTownUSA Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, 
I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. Thank you.